Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to the final week of our Oscar season, as each week a Best Picture winner will be taking on a challenger. And on this week's episodes, in the red corner... After his breakout hit Get Out, writer and director Jordan Peele leans even more into his love of horror as a family setting out to enjoy a relaxing time at the beach instead come face to face with their murderous doppelgangers. And how? From 2019, it's us. Can't believe how big they've got. Did you hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. While in the blue corner... It's this week's Best Picture winner, the first non-English language movie to achieve that feat. It picked up another three Oscars along the way, including one for its director, Bong Joon-ho. And how? Also from 2019, we're talking Parasite. Jessica, I'm deadly serious. So, what connects these two movies, and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters! I think it's Vodka O'Clock. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. I can see your faces. It is wonderful. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> faces everywhere. It's really weird. I'm really struggling. 
This is what you said after the last lockdown when we got back. Yeah, because I acclimatise quite easily to... Um, I've been institutionalised in my house. Mm. Like my house. I actually don't like my house. You know, I bang on about it all the time. No, I, like I like your house. It's a nice house. Thanks. It's a wreck at the moment, isn't it? Well, but, sorry, small talk section continues. Yeah, keeping that. <laughs> now you can see the discomfort on Chris's face in real life. It's even better. I just I can hear people switching off. Right. So the house, it's a wreck, <laughs> you yeah, say. It's a wreck. Yeah. yeah, we're no further forward. And how are you, Chris? Yes, good. Uh, it's nice to see you both. You both look really well. So do you. Lockdown's been good to you. Thanks, Chris. But, but also, we now have no excuse uh, for talk, not talking over each other. So <laughs> okay. be on our best behaviour, both of you. All right. uh, just for everyone listening, this is now the fourth, and I mean the fourth time since we got into the studio, <laughs> Chris has mentioned not talking over each other. <laughs> Second time. Has it really wound you up that much? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, right then. So this week, our final Oscar clash, Us versus Parasite. So these were my choices as always. You are welcome. And a little explanation as to why I picked them. So I picked these and full transparency, these are two films which I wasn't immediately impressed with uh, on their initial release, as much as seemingly everyone else was. Certainly, I both remember uh, they both got glowing reviews. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 93% for us, 98% for Parasite. So... I felt it was about time that I gave them both a second view. And this is the first time I've seen them since their initial release. And I want to know whether I'm wrong, basically. So that is where I'm coming from with these choices. Are you happy with that? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's nice for us to, to end Oscar season with last year's Best Picture winner as well. I yeah, think. that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so the clue I gave on last week's show uh, mm. was a fairly easy one. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. An, an in, inelegant clue, I would say. It's very difficult with the clue. I don't. I can't believe we're going to enter this. It's very difficult with the clue to give a clue for both films, especially when both films, you know. Anyway, but it's besides the point. We've moved on. I've moved on emotionally. Family one, meet family two. This is going to be class. Yeah, it's not a great clue. Chris followed it up on Twitter with something a lot better, didn't you, Chris? As above, so below. Mm-hmm. Uh, very nice. That's that is an elegant clue. Uh, I love it. Referencing the ninth century Hermetic text there. Or the 2014 found footage horror movie. <laughs> Both, if I'm honest. I, I had the quote before I knew where it was from and I wanted to make sure it wasn't just that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we've had a fair few guesses in, as always. We are on Twitter, at ClashPod, on Instagram, at ClashPod. Join the party. So, Andrew Morton uh, said, and these are all the correct guesses this week. Andrew Morton said, my first guess was Parasite versus Us but others have beaten me to it. So I'm going with Parasite versus Werther Millers. <laughs> Your first guess was correct, Andy. Peter White says Parasite versus us. Andrew Logan, last week's double winner, two weeks in a row, has been dethroned, but he did get it. He wasn't the first Parasite versus us. Uh, this is the C, says a couple of people have already got it, but my actual name is Gary. <laughs> so that means I automatically win by saying Parasite versus us, right? We do have a lot of winners called Gary. This week's winner, then, is Gary Bailey. <laughs> I think this is like Gary's third yeah, or fourth win. Gary's good at this. But then again, I get confused between Gary Bailey, Gary, and the other Gary. So and I this is the C now. This is the C is also yeah. a Gary. Great stuff. Uh, congratulations to Gary Bailey. Uh, your present, or prize, rather, is uh, living in my basement for a while. Come join the party. I don't have a basement. Connection section. Um, going underground, which would have been a better clue as well. That was a good clue, yeah. Yep. yeah. Going underground. Sneaker pimps. Uh, the jam. 
Yep. <laughs> Five underground. Wait, what was the sneaker pimps one? It doesn't matter. The jam was Six going underground. underground. Six underground. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria. Yep. Keeping up our, uh, our quotient of yeah. indie references from the nineties, eighties. Right then, any Victoria? Because I, I know you sat down and said I haven't done the connection section this week, so I don't want to put you on the spot. But what have you got? <laughs> uh, I didn't do the connection section this week because I forgot. All right. I got property envy. Uh, amazing houses with floor to ceiling glass oh, windows. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I couldn't escape from my desire to live in one or both of them. A son suffering from from what might be ADHD. Both the sons sort of lack focus and parents think they have issues. Okay. Okay. I mean, mine is just a, another retelling of your clue. The underclass are living underground. Any more, Victoria? I haven't thought of anything. <laughs> okay. In homeless, homeless. I think there's some homeless things going on in both movies. I mean, the family ends up homeless in Parasite and we're dealing with the homeless in us. Mm. Yep. Doppelganger movies about doppelganger families. Yeah. They kind of mirror images the families. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. Great. That section's over. Um, on Thursday, Chris is going to be telling us all about his experience with a parasite. But today, Victoria is hanging out with us to tell us about us. V, take us on a journey. I'll tell you what ruins a beach holiday. Kids, <laughs> as two generations of the same family find out. First, when young Adelaide runs into a doppelganger at the funfair... And years later, when grown-up Adelaide can't relax and gets smashed on pink wine with her frenemy because she has to rescue her son from the same scary beach. Back at the family's holiday home, the Wilson family are visited by their terrifying doubles clad in jumpsuits armed with scissors for reasons which don't become clear. The doubles are here to kill the Wilsons but want to take their time about it, which is super handy and allows them all to escape to witness their friends being murdered instantly by their own doubles who were very much not taking their time. <laughs> this home invasion movie then becomes a zombie movie where only the Wilsons have survived, allowing Adelaide to confront Red, something about rabbits and a fucking ton of exposition which I still had to Wikipedia because it didn't make enough sense. Then the family hit the road and we get a killer twist which is awesome because it's awesome and Lapita Nyong'o sells the shit out of it but mostly because it distracts from all the frustrating loose threads. The end. Interesting. So a fan then? No, but this is the thing, right? So I haven't seen this film before um, and I tried to watch it the other year and then I saw the title card which was about the tunnels hmm. and you and I just had a very vicious row about QAnon and I wasn't in the mood for it because I'd heard you be like, but the tunnels and I was like, fuck <laughs> it. I didn't think this film was this. Mm. So I turned it off and then I knew we were going to do it on the podcast and I knew I was going to like it and I, there's so much to love about it and all the reviews are glowing and there are so many things at the same time that are frustrating about it. Chris, what's your history with this movie? Well, I think Get Out is maybe the best film of the last 10 years. Okay. I really, mm. really love Get Out. So I went in with very high expectations. And I remember seeing it, with, seeing it with a great crowd, maybe the same as you if you went to the press preview. I remember it was a really good audience. But I came away with questions and issues and problems with the film. So like you, I've been looking forward, Alex, to revisiting it to see what I think of those issues on a second watch. Mm. Mine is pretty much um, identical to yours then, Chris. Yeah, I saw it once at home. I was very excited to watch it because Get Out is absolutely fantastic. And as I said in the intro, a little underwhelmed by the experience. Um, I will say that, like Parasite, I watched both these movies, again, after the hype. So my mm -hmm. expectation levels were very, very high. Yeah, And we'll talk about them as we go through. So... So, it's okay. I've got this. Do you want to do some background? Just letting you acclimatise. 
<laughs> All right, I haven't got much. That's how I ended up reading so many reviews because there isn't that much mm. to say about this. Um, so written, produced and directed by Jordan Peele. It's his follow-up to Get Out, which we are all agreed we all love. Um, but he wanted to do a pure horror and he turned down Black Klansman to do Us, which was he was inspired to write after late nights on the train when he was at college. And he said, you get out of the train, you go down through an underpass, you come out the other side and there's no one else there, just this dark American town. I'd look over to the other side and I'd picture seeing the tail end of myself going down that same tunnel and I can't be seen by the other version of me. And that's the sort of thing that scares him. Yeah, he said the most frightening thing he could think of when he was a kid was seeing himself on the opposite platform of a subway station. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> I'd go over and give myself a high five. I wouldn't be frightened. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Imagine there being two of I me. think I read another interview where he elaborated a bit and said, you would become aware that if you saw yourself one of you would smile first and you'd know that that other one had the upper hand and then mm. what did that mean for the true you? Which is a bit more scary. If your other mm. you was no, like, sure. fuck you, Chris, mm. then then you've got a problem. Yeah, if you go to high five your other you and it doesn't high five back, yeah. oof. Or if you just slightly get it wrong. Mm. Yeah, just miss oh, a bit. Oh no, that's <laughs> yeah. the worst feeling in the world. If the other you goes for a fist bump and you're high fiving. <laughs> so yeah, um, and he was inspired by... Uh, what would you say to the other you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, who's your favourite Spice Girl? <laughs> <laughs> who is your favourite Spice Girl? Uh, scary, obviously. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to know who's his is. <laughs> we're, we're really back in the 90s now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, there's... Um, was it an episode of The Twilight Zone that inspired this? Because I've deleted it from my notes. Anyway, it's called Mirror Image. I haven't seen it. In it, a Are woman... you half-assing our first show back I'm to really the studio? Nervous. I'm this sorry. Is the first, we've do been doing what? this remotely and you're like, I didn't do the uh, didn't do the connection section. I deleted some of my notes. <laughs> You're really fucking us up. I just, I can't. I'm just going to be honest. I'm really struggling. <laughs> I'm really nervous. It's really weird. <laughs> I hate recording from home. Right. Because of the kids. But I'm hating this. I'll be. No, I'm really happy. Um, what's what's making you nervous? Maybe maybe we nip this in the bud now. It's I the just, start of the show. We still got time. We've still got time to hold this. We put our masks back on. Would that help? No, it's not COVID. I just would rather if you just didn't look at me. That's what I mean. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. Making eye contact with Chris. Oh, high five. What's oh, your favourite Spice Girl? <laughs> what, what's your favourite Spice Girl? <laughs> I meant who? I meant who? That says a lot. Mine was posh, by the way. So, I, I mean, I don't really have much else. And I did try. So, um, I read an interview with Jordan Peele that he hinted that Get Out and Us are connected. So, um, where the tethered live in Us, maybe like a physical connection to the sunken place in Get Out. He said without answering directly if they're in the same universe, I will say that, yes, I consider that part of the same project, which is interesting and makes you like us a bit more, but obviously only once you've seen it and you understand that, I think, because there are some themes in this which I just found like unsatisfying until I read all these interviews, like the rabbits. So Jordan Peele is scared by rabbits because he thinks they've got a duality, which is obviously what us is about, and they've got scissor ears, so you get the scissors from the rabbit's scissor ears, mm. right? Um, now, that's fine. But if you're Jordan Peele, yeah, you find rabbits scary and you think they've got a duality, but not everybody thinks that. And does Red think that? Does Adelaide think that? That's what's important. What's the duality of rabbits? <laughs> that they're cute, but also scary, which I do kind of see. 
I'm quite scared of rabbits. Okay, that's 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 his interpretation of a rabbit. Of rabbits, so I'm not yeah. scared. I mean, I'm scared of watership mm. down, but I'm, I think rabbits are adorable. Well, then yeah, there you go. <laughs> the rabbit watership down. Yeah, the general. So, the general is scary about rabbits. That's that's so weird. They are. They are a bit scary. Did you see that picture this morning of a, the world's biggest rabbit that was stolen? And there's a woman holding a rabbit, and it's like she's holding a Shetland pony. <laughs> right? That was amazing. It's fucking terrifying. It like, was stolen. Yeah, but I think it got returned. I oh. think that's what the story was. That's fine. That's because it was evil. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, I'll have that. They tried to ride it. He didn't like that. That was that. Uh, you mentioned the Twilight Zone. There are so many mm. movies that are actually inspired by episodes of the Twilight Zone. I don't think it gets enough credit as a resource for filmmakers. You look at things like, I mean, oh, it's not a great movie, but Knowing, the Nicolas Cage film, yep. inspired by the Twilight Zone, The Truman Show, Final Destination, recently Shadow in the Cloud. The Box. The box as yeah, well. Lots, lots, lots. The Twilight Zone, the movie. <laughs> that is definitely Direct inspiration <laughs> there. Yeah. Definitely inspired by it. Maybe in like 20 years, they'll all be inspired by Black Mirror. That might be fun, mightn't it? Like as a sort of mm, yeah. corollary yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah. I will say on the rabbit front, that shot, one of my favourite shots in the movie it is. It better not be this 10 minute shot of rabbits. It's the 10 minute shot of rabbits. I fucking hated it. As the camera's pulling out and it's all the caged rabbits, which mm. as you go on to find out, the tethered are using to eat that's their food source they mm-hmm. eat the rabbits raw but as it pulls out i'm just amazed that the one rabbit that they begin on and i do not know if they've had to alter it in post to make it be the only rabbit in that central vicinity some of the distant ones are doing this but the only rabbit that is standing on its hind legs looking seemingly directly into the lens of the camera now was that chance or did they alter it? I don't know. I mean, it's about a 40-minute shot of rabbits, mm. so I imagine a lot of time was taken over it, so they probably just did it in post. Right. I don't know. That didn't come up on my 10 minutes of research. Another gap. Another gap. <laughs> so that's all. That's literally that's all I've got. All right. And that's not nerves. That's just, I tried. That's all I could find. Do you want? Have you got any more? No, I did my bit about Twilight Zone. <laughs> that's a good job you did, because... Mm. Like I say, I deleted it. I, I mean, all I liked was, I, I read an interview with him when he was talking about the fact he spent two or three years on Get Out uh, pointing the finger while he was making that film, while he was promoting it, uh, pointing the finger outwards at white liberals, at, at the rest of the world. And then he decided that he needed to start looking inwards. And mm. that's where this came from. He'd sort of been attacking them for, for years. And that's what the other side do. So he thought he needed to think about our inability and his own inability to look within at ourselves, at our family, at our country, and trying to figure out our role in evil. And I think it's, it's interesting when you, you look at it through that lens. He said he didn't want to go near race with this film. Yeah. And it's funny because when, when the trailers came out, you thought it was a race movie mm-hmm. and then you watch it and it's, it's gone in a completely different direction. Yeah, but that's the one like, I read somewhere. It's like, you know, you can't, just because there's a black family front and centre, it's not a film about their blackness. And it, why should it be? And he's, I've, I completely agree with that sentiment. Like, why not? Like we, He said, we need to get to a point where you see that and you're like, oh, it's about race. It's, mm. it's not. Um, but he can't help but put stuff in. Like, I feel like there's, a, there's, a, there's some stuff about code switching in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's laced throughout it anyway, but... Yeah. I'm a little surprised with the quote I found where he said he wasn't happy with the fact that Get Out, the way people interpreted it, they weren't sure if it was a horror, if it was satire, if it was a black comedy, and he wanted to make sure with this film that he was making an all-out horror yeah, movie. Yeah, because I disagree. I don't think he has. Because some of the best bits of this, it's really, really funny. It's confused at points. I think mm. the, the comedy bits sit uncomfortably with the horror bits. Or maybe not. I just don't think it's scary enough. But okay. we'll get into that. I think that's, that's, that's my main bugbear with this. It's, it's not scary enough. 
for a horror movie. Okay. Well, let's, shall we talk about the film? Mm. All right. So, title card. There's tunnels under America. Q and on. Uh oh. Don't turn it off because it's not really about that. So, don't worry. <laughs> well, watching this the second time, does that title card need to be there? No. And I feel like it gives too much away as well of what to yeah. expect. If it's not, it just, it's just so not necessary. Mm. I think it is. I don't think it gives anything away. And I think it creates such an ominous tone. I dare say, I find that title card one of the scariest moments of the movie. Just its use of language, these abandoned tunnels underneath the continental United States. The fact that some of them have no purpose at all. As a sentence, I think that's scary. And at this point in the movie, I've got no idea how it's going to connect to the climax and the tethered. So I think it works. I think it sets a tone. Okay. So then we established that we're in 1986. And this is the bit, this kind of sums up my general feeling about the film, like the frustration, the sort of the uh, the tight shot of the TV. And it looks amazing and it's really lush. Um, and we've got an advert for Hands Across America. And it's very clearly the 80s. And this shot goes on for quite a long time. And then just in case you missed it, it says it's 1986 and it's like, I know, because you've told me. And I just found, I was like, ooh, okay. Wait, does, just, it doesn't ask them that on the screen, does it? That's on the TV where it says Hands Across America. It's, it's, but it's really clearly the 80s and does it, I mean, maybe it matters. I don't know enough about Hands Across America. Is that, did they only do it in 1986? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I didn't know that. Um, that's on me. Um, and yeah, the, um, so yeah, so then we've got, in the 80s, Young Adelaide is at the Creepy Fair and I, I, what I really like here, I think it's a bit of a baggy film, but there are details about her parents that I thought was really good. So, Wow. Well, do you not like it? Well, that's so interesting because I actually have written down here, I, I think, what is the point? Yeah. What is the point in all this? I think you're absolutely right. I think it's interesting, her mum's relationship with her dad, the fact that she's snapping him for having another beer and he's like, I want another beer. And you get that sense of this is a real relationship and there are problems here. It's absolutely irrelevant. I know, it's weird, isn't it? But it's texture, and I really liked it. It Get into this... The problem with this start for me is, A, that, and B, I think the scary thing about what happens here, so the daughter goes missing uh, at the fair, and she goes off into the Hall of Mirrors, and she meets her doppelganger self. But as a horror conceit, the idea of turning around and seeing your reflection, but it's got its back to you because it's a real person is super creepy and weird, but no one's ever had that experience. What you have had an experience of, I'm sure on some level in that situation, is losing your child mm. at a fair. I want to see that mother screaming, looking for her daughter, blaming the father who was having a beer, being really shit at whack-a-mole, by the way, <laughs> and she's missing. And this screaming mother, that is something that you're like, that's horror to me, that's tension, that's like, oh my God. And then she finds the daughter and the daughter is immediately silent and her mum's shaking her, screaming, like, why is, she, why is she not speaking? Yeah, I think because the mum is like a hypervigilant mum. She's like, she, don't, she doesn't want to do that. She'll be scared of that. Don't let her do that. And he's meant to be a super like chill dad or whatever. And he's drinking when he's supposed to be keeping an eye on her and stuff like that. And I think it's there to kind of explain with Adelaide growing up that they probably didn't survive, not literally survive, the, her parents probably didn't stay together for long after that incident because she will have the mum will have blamed the dad mm. um, and kind of rightly so um, and that would have been that but you obviously you don't pick up so much of Adelaide's intervening years to know and that for true there is no reference to Lupita Nyong'o adult Adelaide as to any effect that her parental like the, her parents splitting up actually had on her there's no reference to that in her character throughout the film so again it's kind of irrelevant yeah. what their relationship was and also, just on another tangent here, I think <laughs> I, f- 
find it weird that Adelaide, young Adelaide, the real young Adelaide at the start, when she's eating the candy apple and walking along, she is silent already. It's like she is yeah. a very quiet child. So when new Adelaide emerges and is silent, why are they like, oh my God, what's happened to our door? It's like, she was like that already. Yeah. She, she didn't say much. So why, like, why is she not cheerful and happy and laughing at the start? And then you get the switcheroo where it's like, oh my God, what's happened to our child? Yep, I think that's a good point. Um, so 10 minutes of rabbits, literally <laughs> watching rabbits. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's important when you know later that Jordan Peele is freaked out by rabbits. But in the world of the story, the rabbits, we don't know the, the, how important they are. So you're just watching rabbits for too long. Um, anyway, But they look great. I like that. I like the weirdness of that. It's just, uh, again, a bit like the dialogue, not dialogue, uh, the, the text on the screen at the start. It's just weirdness. Yeah. I'm happy with weirdness. I just don't like my time being wasted. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to the present day, so the Wilson family. Now, here is, these things are, they are trifles, but they do bug me. So the Wilson family are taking a holiday in their holiday home right next to the very same scary beach that Adelaide was traumatised at. They go there every year, right? So what is so important about this year? Why are things going to kick off this year? They definitely go there every year because Jason's got a magic trick and they say so explicitly, that's from last year, isn't it? So that's fine, but it seems odd to me that Adelaide would A, have a holiday home near the place that freaks her out the most, B, she goes there every year and this thing hasn't happened already. That's just... That's just you can just fix that so quickly. Again, I think you're right. I think you need something different to have happened this year. There's something as they arrive just heightens her senses, and she's like, "This feels different to every other yeah. year." But she doesn't say that. She actually says, "I've always felt her presence yeah. following me, trying to get back to me." So this is a constant thing that's been going on her entire life. Yeah, there just has to be something. There is a middle ground where there has to be something that this year is the year rather than any other year. Mm. Um, but I do really like the dynamic between the family. So you've got husband Gabe and he's bought a boat and his kids couldn't <laughs> give a shit. Um, and Jordan Peele said that the, the Wilson family are meant to be the archetypal, so the leader, the warrior, the fool, the magician. And that is great. Mm. And I really like that. Um, then we meet the Tyler family. <laughs> and I loved this. Like, I love the one-upmanship between Gabe and Josh about the boat. And the, this is what I'm talking about, the comedy, like the setting up of the flair, which when that pays off later is so, so, so brilliant. Agreed. Mm, really clever. I thought really it was hilarious. Good. Really good. And I, I, I like I like Santa Cruz. This was actually filmed in Santa Cruz. Uh, I like Santa Cruz Beach. It's got, it does, I've been to Santa Cruz and it is a, a lovely place to go. Uh, I'm digressing here purely because I know we're going to the pub together for the first time after this show. I'm very excited and um, Santa Cruz is where I had my first Sierra Nevada and my love affair with pale <laughs> ale began yeah great so if you ever get to drive at the Pacific Coast Highway with the Pacific Ocean out the window that's not as important as getting into pale ale in my book <laughs> they, they obviously reference the Lost Boys by saying in 1986 that they're filming something over there yes um, which is the Lost Boys um, is the Lost Boys the reason you went to Santa Cruz? Or... It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Such a geek. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Coming from you, that's no, no, amazing. I, love, I adore it. I adore it. I'd love to. I wish you'd taken me. But then, this is, so did you? I think the way Jordan Peele has made the beach, he's tried very hard to make the beach be a menacing place, right? I'm halfway in already because when I was saying in the introduction, kids do ruin beach holidays. They fucking do. You cannot take your fucking eyes off them for one second. It is ringed with danger. 
And that's not not even before we get even into Stranger Danger. The sea is there. And really what you want to do is get smashed with Elizabeth Moss. Obviously, the minute she gets out of wine, I was like, God, take a seat, Vicky. I knew you'd love that. I do, I really love it. Do you know what? And I was watching it and I'm having a bit of a, a bit of a love affair with rosé wine at the moment. Great. I know. And I was like, yeah, you go, Elizabeth Moss. I know. Is it vodka o'clock? Because I am hanging out with you. The beach is Jaws, though. And obviously it's Jaws. He, yeah. is, he cites Jaws as, um, you know, one of his favourite films. And this... He's done it so well. The bit where mm. Elizabeth Moss is in the Peter Nyong'o's ear, chatting away, and it just sort of go. The volume goes down, and she's looking at all the different things happening on the beach, keeping her eye on everything. It's Brody. It's yeah. Chief Brody <laughs> on the Amity Beach, and it's done so well. And obviously, Jason's got his Jaws T-shirt on. But this is what I'm saying, just in case you missed it, mm. he's got a Jaws T-shirt on. Um, I love, and I think it's it's super like daft. I don't, people don't speak like this, but the way that Elizabeth Moss is like, I could have been a movie star, but the, you know the girls came along at exactly the wrong time, and she's just banging on and on and on. But the film is saying she's a bad mum. She's disconnected from her kids. She doesn't really know where they are. And yeah. Lupita Nyong'o is not a bad mum. Is she? I didn't really. I yeah. Uh, I found it quite weird when Lupita Nyong'o says I don't I'm not very good at talking Elizabeth Moss is trying to talk to her and she sort of yeah. says I'm not, I'm not very I think she doesn't like her she doesn't want to talk to her so she just says okay. I don't want to talk to you I wondered if it was a very subtle hint to the fact that she was a tethered no it is yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. if reference she says I have a hard time talking that's, that's right. because she couldn't speak for because six the, years yeah because the tethered couldn't speak but her family haven't noticed like she talked to them perfectly well mm. so anyway um, the frisbee symbolism Bit on the nose. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where the frisbee lands on the circle and it's like, oh look, it matches perfectly above and so below. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really understand that. What was it? I, it's I, this idea that like that's, matching. Yeah. Like to it's a, a doppelganger. It right. fits perfectly over the one below. Okay. And so there's another moment like that. Um back at home. So Adelaide is putting Jason to bed and he's like, Oh look. And it's the eleven eleven is on the digital clock. Mm. And that's the mirror hour. Um I've, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole with that. Um, some people believe that that is your guardian angel because obviously it's the figures mirroring each other. Interesting, I guess. <laughs> anyway, then the next important bit is the bit that is I think is brilliant because it just comes out of nowhere, but it's the there's a family in our driveway. Great line. Amazing. The way the kid delivers it as well, it's so good and it's full of menace. Yeah. And when we talk about Parasite, we'll talk about the way that that film like switches from one thing to another and the way this film does that although it's different, I think it is as accomplished as Parasite and it's entertaining and it's memorable and the doppelgangers are scary as you like. Problem. While that line is great, there's a family at the end of our drive, when the husband sees a family at the end of the drive and he goes, what are you worried about? It's just a family. If you saw a family holding hands in red overalls facing your house silently... I don't think you'd be like, it's fine, they're just a family. You'd be like, what are they doing? I think a lot of stuff gets said and happens that I don't think would happen in real life, which takes me out of the movie. And that's a good example. Mm. Just before that, she says, I don't feel like myself. And he says, I think you look like yourself. It's like, <laughs> you wouldn't say that. That's not how you respond. Yeah. That's yeah. not how you respond to that statement. No. Um, I feel like people are saying and doing things um, so that he can be clever with his script to show how it's all joined up, but actually it's not how things would play out in real life. So I just found that a little bit frustrating. Even even when Red's recounting her, uh, sorry, Adelaide's recounting her story just before this of, of the girl who just looked just like her. Why is she telling that story? Why has she not told it before? Yep. Yeah. 
Um, but the so the the doubles, the family, like the way obviously they're dressed in red. They've got these red boiler suits on. They've got one glove. Um, Jordan Peele said that's a probably you know a reference to Michael Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> because he's the patron saint of duality. And it's like that's cool. But you know that, Jordan Peele, but I don't know that. So I, I see the red boiler suits and, and they're scary and the gloves are sort of scary and they're sandals. But un, unless I get it, I just think, well, where did where did they get boiler suits from? Like, I'm, my mind is just racing to piece that together. Well, as we find out later, all part of, um, well, real but tethered, it gets confusing. The Adelaide who's downstairs in the underworld, uh, she dresses all the tethered. She gets rid of the clothes that they're wearing yeah. and dresses them all in red boiler suits. Yes. So it's, it's so some kind of uniform. So is Michael Jackson important to her? And I think the, the script, you can see that. So Michael Jackson is important to her because her Thriller t-shirt was taken off her. Yes? Mm-hmm. So that she's suddenly fixed onto Michael Jackson. But you don't know that until too late. So you get red because it's a horror film and ready scary. Mm. Um, and the boiler and- suits, I think there's a lot of Friday the 13th iconography in here. True. The kid's called Jason and he wears a mask and I'll say later what the other thing is, but he wears a boiler suit. So he's using a lot of horror tropes and iconography. And I don't, I don't 100% think the, the movie suffers if you don't get all the connections he's making. It no. just looks cool because horror villains look a certain yeah. way, look, look iconic. Yeah. But then, yeah. Uh, yeah, all right, fine. Okay, I'll buy that. Um so let's talk about Red. Um, so she explains herself as Adelaide's shadow and then sort of briefly, you know, she's had the worst of everything and the voice. So she's got this like parched whisper, which I didn't know anything about the voice before I watched this and I did find it really, really, really scary. Do you not? It's... I didn't like it. I get used to it uh, a lot quicker than I thought I would. I'd forgotten it and then it starts and then I'm like, hey... Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending, <laughs> a.k.a. Baron Greenbag. Stiletto, get me that meddlesome mouse. That's very good. That's really weird. Maybe Danger that's... Mouse has done it again. <laughs> yeah, it took me out of the movie. I thought it was silly and maybe it's because of Greenback. It is. Maybe subconsciously I was thinking, I was seeing him. Yeah. I mean, she just sells it so much that there's never a flicker where she's like not 100% committed to the voice. So. No. No, and I think it's a, it, it, I'm right in thinking it's set up. Uh, later on, you see the other Adelaide like grab her violently around mm. the throat, so she has damaged her vocal cords, presumably. Yeah, I took it, as I read some interviews uh, with Lupita Nyong'o that said there's that, but there's also, the minute I heard that voice, I was like, oh, that's a person that hasn't spoken for years. That's what that sounds like to me. So that was scary because then it's like, oh, in this world of wherever you've come from, there's no need for anyone to speak. And obviously the other doubles don't speak. It's only Red mm. that speaks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The daughter conveys so much without speaking. That grin that yeah. she has on her face <laughs> yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Um, so I'm in and I get it and I'm scared. And I'm I and Adelaide says to them, What are you? Which is important because it's not who are you. But then that sort of my brain was like, Well, if you're you're not human, where did you get the jumpsuits from? Mm. <laughs> what are we meant to take from the tethered at this point? And this isn't a complaint, I'm just interested to know. When they're talked about as the opposites of them, Red gives a speech where she says, The girl had a beautiful daughter. Jesus. <laughs> Red had a little monster. And you're like, okay, so are we suggesting that because Adelaide's daughter was fantastic and this athlete and yeah. clearly a great student, therefore the daughter of red had to be a monster are they opposites as much as that 
I think so. That's what I understood. I thought Little Monster was more like she's very naughty. So Zora is a, she's a typical teenager. She's really uh, obsessed with her phone, but she is quite a good girl. Like she does do what her mum tells her to. And Little Monster is the sort of sweet, affectionate thing you say when you're like, they're just really difficult to control and they're very challenging behaviours and all the rest of it. Um, that's what I took from that, that um, I think she's called Umbre will just do what she wants and she's a force to be reckoned with because she's uncontrollable kind of thing. Whereas Zora is sort of falls into line a bit easier. Mm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Join us on the Football Ramble as we explore the ridiculous world of football. We bring in-depth analysis of the biggest moments, like Bruno Fernandes' one-eyed penalties. Sounds like a Metallica song. Yeah, it does. <laughs> obviously, like... one eye open. <laughs> but if you have one eye closed, you know your perception. So imagine yeah. if you tried the dink and it just like went like two feet in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> Every weekday, we cover the good, the bad, and the Newcastle. Although Shelby wasn't surprised. Either he said the way they play isn't great, <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't fucking beat him, could you? Could Shelby be the mole? Didn't Bruce accuse the mole of treason? <laughs> to the Geordie Nation, yeah, putting the football world to rights. If you want to put a message on a T-shirt under your shirt, slag it off your mind. Yeah. That is an absolute minefield in the dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, lads, I'll put it in another language. Do you know how many languages that man speaks? with Roy. (laughs) I like walk with Roy. We're here with the biggest stories from the sport we love, and we want you to get involved too. Search the Football Ramble on your favourite podcast player to listen now. This was a Stakhanov production. So Reddy's explaining to Adelaide that, that... I can't remember the dialogue. I would love it if you did the impression... That they're here to kill the family, mm. but they're going to take their time. Yeah, and you think? Yeah, she says. Uh, she says, "What do you want?" 
uh, or what you what are you going to do or something? And she does. She goes. She goes. We will take our time. It's good. It's something that I want to bring up later, so I'm going to mention it now. Actually, I might as well just mention it now. Again, what are the doppelgangers wanting to do? Yeah. So are they hoping to replace the doubles and take their lives and live in their house and, you know, no, experience it, the world? Because it, at one point, Red does go, don't burn down our house does to do. her son. Maybe so. But initially what this is, I don't know if she's thought that far down the line. This is an act of terror. They're up there to make a statement, which mm. is to kill their doppelgangers and then form this line. I don't think we get a sense of what they're going to do beyond that. Okay. But then, so so basically Red sends the kids off to play with each other, sort of. So she lets Zora go and then she gives her a second and then she sends Umbre after her. Mm. And she sends Jason and it's called Pluto off. And I th- that not to be super dark, but if Red hates Adelaide as much as that speech says that she's had the worst of everything, the first thing she would do is kill her kids. That's the first thing she'd do because there's nothing worse than that. And she doesn't. She's like, you can go. And Zora even ends up coming back. So Zora makes it halfway down the road and then ends up coming back. So the family are really easily reunited. I do question if she could kill those kids. I feel like they can only kill their own doppelganger. Great question. And so I think the children have to kill the other child. Each doppelganger has to kill their opposite number. But you see, great. I love that. And I think that is a really interesting point. The idea of, you know, being cornered by a doppelganger that isn't yours and just being able to walk around them because they cannot and kill it ha- you. And it does happen in the it film. It does, you're no, right. Yeah. Because no, it does because one Tim, of the Tim Heidecker's, ones... he goes onto the boats hunting the husband with the intention yeah. of killing him. So it's it breaks its own rule if yeah, that's the case. Yeah, you're right. Good point. But then one of the Tyler doubles is trying to kill one of the Wilsons. I can't remember which one. And they, she can't. Is it? Oh, fuck, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um... There is a really lovely moment here where Adelaide and Red are kind of fighting. Oh, this is really petty, right? Adelaide is chained to a coffee table and wants to reach a fire poker to, like, bash herself free. And is this coffee table the fucking heaviest thing in the world? Because why can't she just drag it near? She's like, and she can't do it. And I was like, well, just move the coffee table. (laughs) It's it's tethered to the floor. I see your pettiness and I I raise (laughs) you my pettiest problem, which is during the speedboat sequence where... The husband's doppelganger goes over the side, and there's another Jaws homage yeah, yeah. Jaws where the rubber ring pops yeah. back up like a barrel. <laughs> yeah. In Jaws, the shark, using its immense strength, drags those barrels underwater. There is no reason for that rubber ring to be underwater to then pop up again. He would not drag it down from his weight. They are designed to float (laughs) on the surface unless he's desperately trying to pull it underwater, which he wouldn't be doing. It shouldn't pop up like that. That's my pettiness. That's fine. It's the level of pettiness I think people enjoy from us. So the moment I was going to say, which was nice, is Adelaide and Red are fighting and one of them can hear Adelaide. I think they can both hear a child crying out and Adelaide says to Red, that's yours. That's and that does a lot because she can tell the difference between the children, even though the children are identical, and, and the other one can't. Um, but also, can she tell that difference because of the big reveal later? Like she, so I thought that was really nice. Mm. And it's a weird thing to say between like fighting mother. It's not weird between the two mothers having a fight. That's yours. Is actually quite a compassionate thing to do. Like I'm telling you that your child needs you. Um, so I thought that was dark and weird and good. What did you think of the uh, the speedboat fight? I found it quite long. I I found it quite strange structurally that they start fighting on the boat, then they both end up in the water, 
Then they both get back on the boat and then he dies. <laughs> it seems like just, I, I don't I don't find the moment where he's swimming for the shore and the boat's circling and it always goes left mm-hmm. because it's broken. I don't find that tense enough to warrant dragging that sequence out. I think he should just put him in the propeller straight away so yes! we can move on. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, so when you get to the Tylers... And there's a little bit of a more sort of, again, texture, which I love between um, the husband and wife about basically they fucking hate each other. Um, but then when their doubles turn up, they don't fuck about. They just murder them all straight away. Mm. So that threw me because it's like, oh, these doppelgangers, they can do what they want. So why? Oh, I can't remember whereabouts in the film it is, but Red has said, oh no, she says later, we need to make a, I needed to make a statement. But it's like, why, are you ta- why would you take your time? Which now means your plan has gone tits up. But the Tyler doubles are like, well, we're here to kill you. So that's what we've done. Could it be that obviously the Adelaide and Red roles have swapped because one was born a tethered and the other was put down there by yeah. her doppelganger. So perhaps she wants to take her time because... She's angry. She's angry and yeah. she's got unfinished business and she wants to talk that through <laughs> with Adelaide, whereas the others are just killing machines. Yeah. So she's more conflicted. She's the only one who's different. And so... Yeah, but I, none of this you know at this point in the film. Yeah. Watching it for the first time, she's just like, well, why would that... That just con- seems really convenient. You are kind of aware that she's different because she is speaking. Yes, that's true. Um, and this, this is... Mm, this is really frustrating. In a film with identical people... The Wilsons arrive at the Tylers not knowing what's happened to them. There isn't even one second where they mistake the doppelgangers for the Tylers. That's mad. This is a film about identical people. Uh, as in you think they should have put that in? One second where they see them sat at the table or they see them do something and they're like, oh, our friends are here. And then they find out that it's the jumpsuit people. When Tim's character answers the door, yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a confusion. A, there's a few seconds. Not where, enough. Yeah. Oh. Not enough. (laughs) And I'm not sure what we're meant to think of this rich family, Elizabeth Moss's family. I really, I couldn't quite work out what they represent in terms of, are they bad? Are they just another family? I think there's some white privilege going on there because when the um, family show up uh, to, the first family show up um, to the Wilsons, he goes outside to investigate, Gabe does, and Mm. to protect his family. Whereas, Whereas this dad, coming from a position of being quite comfortable with the status quo, doesn't want to go outside. He says he keeps she says, go outside and have a look. And he keeps saying, I'm happy here. I'm comfortable here. Yeah. I don't want to do anything. So I think it represents that white privilege where you don't want to rock the boat and you are comfortable with the way things are right now and you don't want it to change. I just thought it was kind of cute. They've been in the relationship for so long and his wife going, get up and go look outside. He's like, I'm comfy. I'm on my comfy chair. I... I don't know. I sort of expected there to be something more direct, maybe, about what this family represented. Like they weren't nice people because of that privilege that they had. And it's I don't think I don't think he wants to make things as black and white yeah. as that though. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um I didn't like I will say two things. First of all, this is one of the most memorable scenes from my first watch of the movie, This Family Dying, because this is proper horror. Yeah. This is awful. Elizabeth Moss's death, where she's crawling across the floor with her throat cut and, you know, she can see her husband bleeding out in front of her, is, this is horror to me. This is nasty and it's good and I like that. You can't break rules and everyone knows and we've already established how their Alexa system works. You have to say Ophelia before Ophelia does anything. So Ophelia, <laughs> play good vibrations. She plays good vibrations. Now, just because you've written in a script a nice joke where your Elizabeth Moss is dying and she goes, please stop. 
You can't have Ophelia stop the music at that point because that wouldn't control her. You have to say the name first, especially if you're going to double that up straight after saying please stop with Ophelia, call the police, and then it plays NWA. Yeah. So it's just, it's a little thing, but if you know, you know, and it takes you out of the movie. Yes. Do you think I'm being ridiculous? No, I just, I'm laughing because I don't have the home system and the people I know that do, Uh I think maybe they kind of deserve one. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm being awful. I just, I, for a start, I don't want to risk my own home tech not recognising my accent, which 100% will happen. Mm. I don't want to change my voice to speak to my house. So I'm not going to go into it. And I've seen my sister try to do it and she's got my accent and it don't fucking work. Oh, yeah. So I've got a Hey Google and believe me, every time I've ever had people around, 90% of my evening is, Hey Google, Hey Google, stop. (laughs) Volume, hey, sorry, wait, I've got to say Hey Google. (laughs) Hey Google, volume up. It's uh, it's a living nightmare. But what you should do is look up the YouTube video, Child Asks Alexa to play Digger Digger. Which is a child, uh, which is the best example of how those systems are rubbish. A child goes, Alexa, play Digger Digger. Who knows what Alexa hears, but she goes, playing hardcore porn, dildo, porn, <laughs> dick fuck. And it's like, <laughs> the parent is like across the room in a second going, no, no. It's great. Deary me, another mm. reason not to get one. Um, I'm the sort of person that I will get one in a few years and I'll be like, this is the most incredible thing that's ever happened. Where, where Why have you not been telling me about this? Anyway, um, so then some another fun joke, which I think is, is, a, is a little bit cheap, but um, the Wilson family, again, logic, they decide to run from the home that they're now in, which is the Tyler's home, which is very comfortable. And as Gabe says, they've got all their provisions, everything they could possibly need. But Adelaide insists we've got to take the coast roads. Um, and then there's a joke about Home Alone, which I liked. Made me feel sad, but I liked it. <laughs> What is it doing in there? I like it. I, I think it's funny. I didn't understand why the the kids would have heard of Home Alone. No, right. they wouldn't. Yeah, Home Alone is on the telly a lot at Christmas. Yeah, but they ignore it because it's something <clears throat> their mum and dad like. But also, what is... Why, why, thematically, we're now doing a generational joke. Yes. Why? Just for a laugh. <laughs> you of all people, I, I can't believe, yeah. is giving it a pass on and introducing this idea that the kids are... Uh, the parents are dinosaurs. Because yeah. they're referencing Home Alone and Micro And I Machines. guarantee by the time your kids are this age, they'll know Home Alone. Because of you, maybe. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even that fussed about Home Alone. I thought it would be good for the show. I'm not fussed about the film, but I don't believe kids wouldn't know Home Alone. Okay. All right. Um, why, does five, why does I Got Five on it come on the stereo? Just, it's just the thematic it. music. I That's don't know. a great tune. I was it happy is. with that. Delooney's. Mm, love it. That might have been my favourite bit in the film. It I, I'm annoyed. I didn't quite suspect a rat, but at the start of the film, when it comes on on the stereo in the car and she's teaching the son to click his fingers, yeah. she's out of time slightly. And it really wound me up when I watched it. Right. I didn't put two and two together, but that's a brilliant detail at the end of the film when you realise she's out. She's always out of time a oh, little that's, bit. Oh, that's, that's really that's clever. Good. But yeah. I was just bucking me like, why didn't they reshoot that? She's, <laughs> she's clicking off the beat. Um, so they do run. Umbre gets killed. So Zora runs herself over. And there's a moment that's still nice within the film, but it's even nicer once you kind of realise with the twist where Adelaide goes over to watch her die, but is sort of offering her comfort because she looks like her mother. Um, And I just took that as she wants to make sure this little girl is all... I mean, she wants her to die, (coughs) excuse me, but she kind of wants to make sure she's not alone at the end because that is her daughter. Well, she's... Yeah, I think she's going over to kill her. And then when when she's faced with it, she can't can't do it. And she realises she's going to die. And she just says, shh. 
I think that's but that was what was good watching it the second time were these couple of scenes with the children because when the when the thing happens with the boy next as well and she she wants it to stop she doesn't want it to happen and you're like wow this is really clever a second time oh yeah, yeah. okay yeah but they're not her kids they are not her kids no they're no. not her kids no but they're from they're from where she's from yes they're telling that she, she, she it's her getting in touch with her where she, her roots really mm. and realizing hold on this is she's starting to regret what's happening yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, I did. I but I, I kind of I just took it as this because I didn't know the twist at this point. So I took it as Adelaide watching who someone who looks exactly like Zora to make sure that she's all right. And then when Jason tricks Pluto into burning himself to death, mm. I, I, yeah, I'd like to see it again to see what her reaction is like to that. She says no. Of, she doesn't yeah. want it to happen. So I think the first time you watch it, you think, oh well, Adelaide's just in touch with her humanity here. Yeah. Second time you watch it, no, she actually she's seeing her own people die that's, and, and that's she can't great, face it? it. But I just you can't make a film that relies on you having to see it twice to really understand the the fullness of what's being said. Sure. You just can't. But I think I think Get Out did that a little bit as well, where there's there's additional stuff a second time. It's kind of Easter eggs that, that it'll work on two levels. I didn't think it took away from it that you saw you read that scene differently the first time because it works the first it time. Does. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I missed the Jason thing a bit, um, which is a shame. So then we're off to the exposition tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so man, this uh, this again, this looks incredible. Like you could spend all day in those scenes and. The escalator, the Hall of Mirrors leading to the escalator, leading to these scary fucking tunnels that are infinite, um, fucking rabbits everywhere. Um, and Red in a classroom drawing the Hands Across America on the board and explaining everything. <laughs> yes and no, because I feel like she explains a lot here, but at the same time, she doesn't explain enough. Uh, so yeah. it, it's sort of, I would have liked to have known less or more, but the amount that we're explained here was just enough to really frustrate me. So let's let's establish who the tethered are. The suggestion is that they were created by people historically in the past. They created clones of everyone um, for in case of illness or injury. Yeah, yeah, I think it was to control. Yeah, I think yeah. it was for control. But then also the it? control bits, like how? So she's going, we were created, and then I read on Wikipedia that's by the government. I don't think she says that. So it's no, okay. she doesn't. You were created. To control the people on upstairs, which isn't upstairs. But how is that? How does that control anybody? So if you, well, got I think a... it's because of the mirroring. Because what they do, what one set of people do, the other set of people do. But, I mean, ultimately, it didn't work. So whatever they were trying to do didn't succeed. But, but it, we, we see that when one does something, the other one does something. Yeah, but so what? So what's the threat to you as the real person that if you don't behave, they'll replace you with a double? Like, or control you. They can. They can literally control you. Oh, I see. By manipulating. Yeah. This. Oh, I see. I see. But it right. didn't work because it's actually the people on the surface who control the tethered. Exactly. So maybe, maybe that oh, was I why see. it didn't work. We never know why it didn't come off. But I think it was. I think it. It was for control. Well, this is all about control. There's a, it doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't quite make sense because she says the reason it didn't work is because the soul was being shared by two people. Yeah. Or the implication then being that. The soul exists more in the people on the surface, so they ended up being able to control the person below. The person below doesn't have a soul. It's all very confusing. Yeah. Uh, and there's so much explanation because you, you get your head around that and then she says, and oh, we were abandoned and we all went mad. And you're like, oh, okay. Right, so there's that to contend with but as well, that you're all crazy versions. But of here's a question. Why is she explaining that to her when she was from there? Yes. Mm. So she lived that life for eight years. <laughs> yes, so she knows that. <laughs> Bigger problem. Not really. When... Um, when they're, uh, we have the flashback to the night of the fair, 
Yeah. And we see all the tethered acting out what the surface people are doing. They're wearing the same outfits. Yes. How How is that possible? <laughs> so when the person on the surface changes an outfit, does the tethered have the right outfit to change into? How is it that they are wearing the same clothes? That's what I'm saying. It it, it asks way too more questions than it answers it. And, and I think... I think that's a problem. I think they could have said and shown a lot less mm. and you still would have been fine with it. You would have been able to fill in those blanks yourself potentially. But, but as it stands, there's questions that you just can't answer. Yeah. My biggest question, and I agree with you, the escalators, image-wise, visually, just having down escalators yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> but also, when would, I've only ever once before seen a gold escalator going down. Was it gold? I didn't notice it was and gold. That, and that was when um, Trump was announcing his presidency. So I think he's making a direct correlation there. Uh, I really do think he's oh, using the, okay. the gold. Because it's a pretty specific image yeah. of the gold escalator of that weird moment when he came down to announce his presidency. So, But is it even explained how red was the only tethered ever to just try and climb up the sides of the escalators. And also, I don't know if you've ever tried to run up an escalator. You can run up a down escalator and get to the top. <laughs> it is possible. You've got to put your back into it. I've never. Do you know what? I'm amazed I've never tried it. Maybe, I've never maybe, tried it. Maybe we have our race up escalators. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Done. I can take about three steps at a time. Look at, yeah. look at that. Look at that. Uh, Alex All is that. holding up his weirdly uh, long and thin leg. <laughs> <laughs> With the long and thin Chelsea boot on the end of it. You took my fucking eye out. <laughs> um, so lots of incredible visuals, um, not least of which is the dance, the ballet. So it's got fuck all to do with anything, I think, by this point. But I loved watching it. Yes. The music is amazing. Agreed. And the idea that the pers- the ballet dancer on top had the freedom of the stage and the ballet dancer down below is crashing into the walls because she's trapped. It's gorgeous. Mm. Um, but I was like... Whoa. What's this got to do with anything? You know, you need to fight. So the ballet dance kind of like sees into the fight. Um, so who we believe to be Adelaide kills Red. And now I know you like a death face, Chris. So I wondered how you felt about the life draining from Red's eyes during this. Because it, it scared the shit out of me. I thought it was amazing. Like, it was good. It's no Finny, but it was good. <laughs> it's no Spacey, no Finny, but it's all it's right. There, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's got a place. Top 10. Top 10. I was preoccupied with the fact that she kills her because Red is coming up behind her and she just stabs her with a sword. Based on what? Based on nothing she's learned throughout the film, yeah. based on absolutely no element of the fact that they are connected in some way. Why not drop something in there that gives her an advantage in that moment to know that Red is right behind her as opposed to just randomly having lost every stage of the fight, just suddenly going, oh, I got you now. Yeah, you're right. She's lost every stage of that fight. She's not winning that fight at all. And is there a temptation to stick a mirror in there? I don't know. Like. And also, she kills her before going, oh, by the way, where's my son? <laughs> yeah. She starts I hope a- he's in that fucking locker. She hasn't found out yet. <laughs> because this is an infinite corridor. So good one, mum. So then, so then let's get to the twist. So it turns out the family are safe. Where the fuck everyone else is, I don't know, but they're driving off in their ambulance. And it turns out, that Adelaide was Red and Red was Adelaide. So they were swapped as kids. So if the good one, let's call her the good one, can't remember, then what difference does it make to anything? She's just so, she looks at Jason and Jason's, you know, that thing with a kid who's got a special sense, which I'm not uh, like really into, but he can kind of tell that something's up with his mum. What, 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 but, but what's that look for? Because, because what, what is he telling? And also the look implies that she's not his real mum. 
But she, she is. is. Yeah. She is absolutely his real mum. Yeah. So he has that relationship wherever she came from. That's still his mum. So why he's suspicious of her is beyond me. Yeah. The look seems to suggest. <gasps> he knows she's a wrong'un. Yeah, but he she will have she's, act, she's acted like a. she's been his mum his whole life. And she's killed her own kind in mm. a quote marks because she's killed loads of tethered. So I see what now what you're saying about she's coming to a slow realization that things aren't as they should be, and maybe she will revert back to being a true badden. And she is big. She she is the the voice is coming out when she's doing stuff, and she is during this film her past is coming back to her a little bit physically, vocally. Um, she's making those noises again, it, it, and that's when the sun. That's why the sun is twigging because he's. He's into magic. He's one of those kids that will figure out the magic trick. Yeah. And he ha- it's just dawned on him. It's I think it's a really chilling moment. It dawns on him. She smiles at him and then rather than face it, he puts his mask back down. Yeah. And because this film is all about masks, this Jungian thing about our shadow selves and suppressing these things, he's just going to... That mask, I think, means he's, he's going to ignore it. He's just going to pretend all is well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but that's what I mean. I was amazed by the twist, but I was like, thank God there was a twist because if they'd just driven off into the sunset, I've got all these questions and it explained all those questions. So the feeling of relief was like, oh, I see now why you were taking your time and I see why you were special and all of that. But I I don't want to see that in the last 10 seconds and for it to explain everything Mm -hmm. because it's not enough. Yeah, it was a bit of a shrug moment for me, if I'm honest. I was like, what was the point in that twist? I think it land. It, I do. I think it really works. But it does so much work to make you go, "Oh, okay, that's why that is." But it's too late by that point. Yeah, and that's what I thought, kind of hoped would be different on this second viewing. Knowing that up front and sitting down to watch it a second time, I thought the experience would be uh, improved. I said I was going to come back to the Friday the Thirteenth thing. So he's called Jason. He wears a mask. And at the end, his mum is revealed to be the villain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really clever. Like, he's done it. He's done that's it. Yeah. Good. That's good. That's more like it. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, so that's all I have. Right. Yeah? Yeah. Happy? I'm good. I feel all right now. It's just, I knew you were going to, I know you were seconds away from asking. Mm. I myself feel okay now. Do you? I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I'm so pleased. I thought we'd get deeper into the 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 Carl Jung sort of take on this suppress, suppression of... of the ugly side of our. Did you just psyche. do a nod to pretend? Because I nodded. <laughs> I was I was hoping that um, I was hoping that sentence ended, comma Vicky. <laughs> like he was suggesting that you haven't really done enough work because you've not brought up young Al- Alex. Is this, is this about us needing to um, embrace our dark side and confront our shadow selves and destroy them, or learn to live with them? Learn or... to live with them. One hundred percent. Second B. <laughs> So we should continue to wear our masks. Mm-hmm. Never let that mask of sanity slip. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so should we do the bits then? Yeah. Right. Well, Alex, what was your best scene? Uh, the I've got a couple. I was going to go for the murder of Elizabeth Moss's family because it's so nasty and it's great. I was going to go for the evil daughter dying in the tree because it's actually very heartbreaking and mm. terrifying at the same time. The fact that she's still grinning and still swiping for... Adelaide, but uh, I'm going for the homage to Alien slash Aliens, where Lupita Nyong'o as Red unfurls from behind the red pickup truck like an alien. You know, when the aliens emerge from their bio yes. thing, the thing they decorate the walls of a hive with, yep. and it un- oh, they unfurl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She literally unfurls like an alien. Oh, I didn't notice. I, I, Jordan Peele says of this movie that 
everything that you think were, if you think it was, um, if you think it was uh, it related to an homage to something, it was there on purpose and okay. it is an homage. So I'm assuming, I might be wrong, but I think it's an alien slash aliens homage. Lovely. Chris? Uh, I like it when the Tyler doppelgangers appear um, because I think the movie goes up a gear in that scene and watching that with an audience, that really took the roof off the place when they all got killed. Yeah. It's Instantly, a, yeah, it's a yeah. really good sequence. So yeah, that's that's mine. Where are yours? Uh, there's a family on our driveway. Like it's just really, really good, and it's it it plays with it layers the um the realization that Gabe is a big man, and he's quite happy to confront people and go out there, and it isn't going to work. And it's like that's quite scary. Like, obviously, it's a home invasion at that point, so it never works. But he's just there, and he's not afraid. And oh uh, yeah, and and he isn't going to make any difference. That's quite scary. Um, most valuable whatever, Chris? Uh, even though I've ha- got a few issues with this film, I'm going to say Jordan Peele just because I like what he's doing. I like where he's going. I like the movies he's making and I want him to keep going. Yes. And so by me making him my most valuable whatever, he that'll will do keep it. going. Yeah, that'll do it. I actually read uh, just yesterday he was thinking of giving it up. Mm. Uh, so it'll be but he wanted to, to wait because mm. he, he got the clue <laughs> from the other week. So he knew that you would say that. No, I'm chuffed. Yeah. I'm chuffed yeah. I could do this for him. Yeah. He said uh, he said the clue was a bit uh, bit on the nose. He said, said it inelegant. He, yeah. he wants to be an MVW. <laughs> Uh, what about you? Uh, either. The classical version of I Got Five on <laughs> so It, <good. laughs> which is incredible. And they weren't actually going to include that in the movie. It was going to be, it was in the trailer and it got such a great response in the trailer. They were like, stick that in the film. Uh, so either that or the shot of the escalators that only go down. But hands down, and I cannot believe this has not got a mention, the MVW of this movie, f- this is fact, is the fact that Tim's boat is called Biatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. Uh, my MVW is Lapita Nyonga, specifically her voice, because it's scary. Are it's you good. serious? <laughs> but the clicks as well, the spasms. What's it? She. What's it called? Spasmodic dysphonia. That she. Yeah, it is called that. So that's involuntary spasms in the muscles of the voice box, and that is what it looks like is happening to her. Did really she good. have to apologise as well for going on record and saying that? that- it was sort of making this real life illness into this villainous into a horror character. Trait. Um, yeah. Well, my change is the voice. I really hate the voice she Do uses. You? Yeah, I, I said it earlier. What? Sorry, I'm not. I'm not just going against you. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> this voice. I just thought it sounded really silly. No, I just didn't. <laughs> and and fair enough that there was thinking behind it. And I really, I mean, every review seemed to say how great she was and the, how amazing the voice was. But for me, it was bollocks. <laughs> Great. What about you, Alex? What would you change? Uh, simplify this movie. Just, just pair it back. Like it's there's just too much going on. Um, get some of that exposition out of the way at the top, so I at least have a little bit of an investment in who these people are and what is happening to them in terms of the tethered. I uh, also, I'd like to know how the tethered feel about each other because I think there's another confused moment where. Uh, Tim's uh, tethered is on the boat about to be shot with a flare gun but ultimately killed and Elizabeth Moss uh, sees him out the window and you see her give that silent scream oh, yeah. yeah, and you're like oh my god so she actually there is a relationship there and they care about each other but before you can uh, adapt to that information she, it breaks into a laugh and she starts laughing you're like I'm confused again was, does she not care because I think the first response was more effective I think the film is just 
ultimately baggy in all the wrong places and too brief where it should spend more time on itself. So, yeah, those are my multiple changes. Uh, mine are, let's trip up some doubles on micro machines. No, not really. Um, there needs to be a reason. I've said it before. It's such a, it's a basic script fix and stuff like that always bugs me, which... It's just what I'm like. But there has to be a reason why it's this year and not last year and not next year. And unless I'm missing it, which is obviously possible, they go to that holiday home every year. Nothing is any different. And yet this year, something's all going to change. And that's not for me. Uh, that's it. Right then. That is us done. Christopher, shall we do a quiz? Let's do a quiz. Let's do a quiz. <laughs> I'm excited to do a quiz in person so I can see your faces. <laughs> What if all my what if all my skill at this quiz has been entirely based on being remote? Look at him showing off. Oh yeah, that's true. What show off? Yeah. yeah. Um, as we've done um, twin films about twin families, this week's quiz involves twins and people who are twin adjacent. Unfair advantage. Vicky has twins. That's not fair. I did look up twin facts, but they were just a bit yeah, they Made were a up. bit all over the yeah. Some of them, I felt like I felt like they were a lot of them were opinion rather than facts. Yeah. So this is about sort of famous twins. I meant to ask actually, you know the twins in this movie Oz. Remember when they start speaking at the same time, saying exactly the same thing on the beach? Yeah. Do your twins do that? No. Okay. <laughs> they have their own little language and weird names for each other that don't they will not explain to anyone else but they don't talk over each other they can't get a word in (laughs) (laughs) all right come on come on people let's find a twinner so (laughs) so yeah he laughed in the end (laughs) where are the cheeky girls from oh latvia ukraine bulgaria Bulgaria. (laughs) romania moldova they're from croatia a place that's famous Oh, Transylvania. Correct. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who are the mythological twins whose story leads into the founding of Rome? Yes. Yes! (laughs) Didn't even finish the question. (laughs) I I had more clues there. I didn't need to do them. Um, Staying with that mythological theme, what is the last name of the two-headed monster called Jedwood? Oh, I do know this. Collins. No. Oh, they're quite. I know this. I love Jedwood. I'm, I'm. I'm. Upset to lose the Romulus and Remus question. I'm I'm opting out on this. Okay. One. If you don't know, you don't no, know. No, I don't know. No. Uh, Grimes. Oh, is it? Like my oh, best mate Danny Grimes. Um the cra- Hello, Danny. Hi Danny. He won't listen. He's a Singapore now. Um the Cray twins were called Ronnie and Reggie. Cray. <laughs> but what was the name of their older brother who Chris once spoke to in the Blue Orchid nightclub in nineteen ninety five? Wait, isn't that the nightclub from Police Academy? <laughs> the Blue Oyster. <laughs> right. Uh Robert. No, Dave, oh, older brother. You don't know that. You don't know the Oh, yeah, B&R. Um, Ryan. All right, it is. It's Charlie Cray. Okay. From 1989 to 1999, Pat Sharp presided over a fun house. But what was the names of the twins he had enslaved there? <laughs> I'll accept just their first name. Jane and Julia. No, they do start with the same letter, but not J. Kate I... and Karen. They're both M's. Mabel and Marion. You know the you know the women I'm talking about. No. Remember, fun you know? house. It's a whole lot of fun. fun There's prizes, prizes to be won. It's a real wacky show where anything goes. I remember fun that, house. but I don't remember anyone's. It's all a blur. I don't remember anyone's right. face. Yep. God, you know less about twins. I expected Melanie and Martina were no, the ladies. Absolutely no idea. No. Okay, my brother thought the three members of Bros were Matt, Luke, and Goss. Hmm. He was wrong. He was an idiot. It was Matt, Luke, and who was the third member? Liam. No. Nope. Not the um oh god. Gary. 
I can't believe I've forgotten this. <laughs> Ross, Ross Goss. Luke and Matt and, and he's the drummer. He's the drummer. Fuck! And he's really angry sometimes. Peter. <laughs> he's left out. <laughs> he did get left out a lot. Ross. Ross. No. <laughs> I just said Ross Goss. It's not Ross Goss. <laughs> <laughs> it's Moss Bros. Oh, no. God, this is such a... Barry. Tin. It's Craig Logan. No! <laughs> Okay, uh, that's the quiz over. Uh, yeah, Vicky win? wins 2 0. <laughs> yeah, now you can't look at me. Yeah. Good. Worst, worst <laughs> quiz we've ever done. Is that the prize? No one can look at her. <laughs> yeah, just because you're angry, it doesn't matter. Okay, there you go. That was the quiz. I'm not a fan of that quiz. So. <laughs> Here is our future on the pod. Thursday, we are going to be talking about Parasite. But before then, let's look ahead to next week. It's Chris's choice of a pairing outside Oscar season. So, Chris, tell us, what's the clue? Let's do one that thematically fits in with the film we just talked about. Uh, my clue is whack a mole. Oh, good. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Took me a moment. Took me a moment. All right, then. So that is your clue. There'll be another one coming up on Twitter. Whack a mole for next week's pairing. Uh, by the way, if you are an Oscar fan, I'm going to be hosting the coverage of the Oscars live on Sky Cinema on the evening of the 25th of April. Please do subscribe to Clash of the Titles wherever you get your pods, Spotify, Apple, anywhere at all. And if you do have the time, please leave us a rating and review as well. We will be back on Thursday talking all about Parasite. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.